Hey, it's Bill Simmons. I have some good news for you. The hottest take. It's back. Oh, yeah. Monday through Thursday, four times a week, you hear from me, Chris Ryan, Sean Fantasy, Mallory Rubin, Wazdeen Lambrey, Van Lathan, Julie Lippman, many other ringer staffers. You get one take, you got to defend it to the death. Sports takes, pop culture takes, food takes, airplane takes. Oh, yeah. It's coming back. First episode drops August 29th. It's the Ringers Philly special presented by FanDuel. The playoff action is heating up. And with FanDuel, you can bet on everything from the NBA Finals MVP to who's going to lift the Stanley Cup. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the pulse and get paid instantly when you win. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus in D.C. and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Ringers Philly special. Shiel Kapadia joined by Ben Solak. And listen, we weren't sure what to do with the midweek episode this week. Obviously, all the attention right now on uh, DeMar Hamlin as it should be. We weren't sure. Do we just skip the episode altogether? Do we wait and see? Uh, we did choose the wait and see approach. And, you know, there, there has been some positive news today. The Bills tweeting out. Per the physicians caring for DeMar Hamlin at the University of Cincinnati Medical Center, DeMar has shown remarkable improvement over the past 24 hours. While still critically ill, he has demonstrated that he appears to be neurologically intact. His lungs continue to heal, and he is making steady progress. So there was that. Uh, Coley Harvey from ESPN says, can, can confirm DeMar Hamlin has been gripping the hands of his family members uh, and told we will hear nothing from the family at the moment as they are still processing these developments. So uh, I don't know about you, Ben. I you just kind of been going on Twitter and like, please, yeah. just any little morsel of positive uh, good news that we can get, like something as small, you know, gripping a family member's hand. Well, how big that is in this context. So anyway, I'm rambling. We decided, you know what, let's wait and see. We'll We'll do a short pod. We'll talk about some Eagle stuff. Uh, they're still going to play the game this weekend, so we wanted to still um, do that, but we're not going to do the full Thursday 10. This will be a little bit of an abbreviated episode. Yeah. Benjamin, how does that sound? No, it, it sounds good. I, I We should remark at this time, uh, we're recording literally at 1.30 p.m. Eastern, which yeah. people, uh, uh, you know, Cameron Wolf of the NFL Network, many of ESPN, University of Cincinnati Health Physicians will provide an update on the condition and care of Buffalo Bill Safety DeMar Hamlin at 1.30. So here's what go. we know. 
uh, in terms of how DeMar is, which it sounds like has a lot of positive signs, thank God. Uh, in terms of, of details of how he's changed, we're, we we're going to get those as, as we're talking. And so hopefully it continues yeah. to be good news. The fact that I think they're, they're, they're given a, a, a briefing sounds like it's going to be good news. So, uh, continue thoughts for DeMar, continue thoughts for his family. And, and yeah, it's, uh, it's weird to go back to football, but we're going to go back to football. Yeah, that, that's a good point. By the time you listen to this, it, it, it'll change. Hopefully, there'll be even more uh, good news, but we will see. So that's good that you mentioned when we're recording this. I also did a podcast on the Ringer NFL feed with Nora Princiati and Catherine Fitzgerald. Catherine covers the bills for the Buffalo News, and uh, it was really cool to have her on, and she was telling us about her experiences with DeMar, what she knows about him, his family. That, w- that was really useful for me and valuable for me just to listen, so I would recommend going over and listening to that. All right. We are a Philly sports pod. Listen, the NFL, I mean, that was like one of the rare times where they actually stopped uh, what they were doing uh, on Monday night, but we know they're going to push forward with games this weekend. Eagles play the Giants. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the film from the Saints game. And uh, again, it'll be a little bit of an abbreviated episode. All right. Benjamin, let's start with uh, some of the news, some of the offensive film. We're recording this, like you said, Thursday afternoon. Jalen Hurts was a limited participant in the Eagles' walkthrough on Wednesday. That had not been the case in previous weeks, so we don't know for sure whether he's going to play or not. I would say uh, signs are trending in the right direction that he would play, but we don't know for sure. Uh, As you were kind of going through the film of the Saints game, it was their worst offensive performance of the season, really their worst offensive performance in many seasons. If you look at some metrics, want to get your thoughts on the film and also how much of it were you just like, all right, if Jalen Hurts is playing instead of Gardner Minshew, a lot of these issues are alleviated. I I think I said this on the the immediate postgame pod, but a lot of it. This was a very good... Oh man, Jalen Hurts helps out a lot game. You know what I'm saying? Which is like not something right. we didn't know, but you see it and you're like, oh, geez. Like there's stuff that the Saints are doing with their rush plans in terms of like defensive ends sniping inside and defensive tackles looping, running these stunts in these games that just simply you could never put in a game plan against Jalen Hurts. Like there was a second down early in the third quarter in which Minshew ends up scrambling to his right. He gets pressured by a defensive tackle. He scrambles, he throws the ball away. Okay, it's third and long. And when you watch it, you go, I mean, yeah, it's a tough one. You know, they, they got a good stunt there, a nice rush uh, from the defensive tackle. And Eagles are trying to kind of get a little bit of a deep concept going. And they couldn't get anybody open. So you kind of dirt that one. You get the third down. Yeah, that's, that's tricky. And then you look at this like massive lane in the middle of the pocket with no linebacker sitting there waiting. And you go, wait a minute. We can run into those. Like that that's a thing. I forgot, like when we have mobile quarterbacks, when Jalen Hurts is in the pocket, that's not a question. That ball is immediately tucked and 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 he's upfield. And that's the uh the decisiveness is such a big aspect of that. There were plenty of opportunities, talked about this, you know, wanted to see this on the film. How many opportunities did Minshew have to kind of grip it and rip it against tight windows, against zone coverage, against man coverage? Did he have a chance to throw the football? And the Saints largely did a really good job taking stuff away. The Saints secondary played very well. But yeah, there were one on ones. There were one on ones that that Minshew had the opportunity to take that he didn't. And Hertz simply doesn't hesitate and doesn't second guess like that. He doesn't wait for a better look. He just shoots. Uh, and so the decisiveness of Hertz and the mobility of Hertz absolutely would have helped uh, the offense a lot in this game. There's, there's, I think, a little bit of concern in terms of 
simple offense, simple passing concepts. The Saints were really confident a lot of stuff was coming. You saw Tyron Matthew pointing stuff out before it moved. You saw the Marshawn Lattimore pick where they knew what the slant was coming, right? You even saw you saw uh, uh, Paulson Adebo had a, had, a, had a jump on a slant as well. The Saints' safeties are stepping down into the dig windows. They're passing off the underneath stuff. Like They were very confident on a lot of the concepts, and that's part of what's going to be the issue for the Eagles passing games at the end of the playoffs is they don't run a large menu of concepts. They, 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 they like to get into some simple stuff with a lot of window dressing, right? With, with like different personnel with like play action, RPO fakes and stuff. But in general, their concepts are pretty limited. So you have a little bit of concern there, but that's been around for a while. You know what I'm saying? Like that, that's nothing new. Uh, and then offensive line wise with, with Lane Johnson out and Jack Driscoll in, you saw the saints blitz that side a few times. They sent a corner off of the, the offenses, right? And every time they did it, they caught the Eagles in a slide. They, they were really successful with that. I, I, I was trying to figure out what they were keyed in on. It wasn't just like, let's blitz Jack Driscoll. Like, they were doing it situationally. And every time they got a free rusher. And I, I wasn't sure if they were like, all right, when we get two tight ends, we do this, do that. I wasn't sure what the check was. But they were very successful there. I, I, that led to some pressures off the right side. But in general, I thought Driscoll played really well in pass protection. Run blocking, he was he was limited. Run blocking, Driscoll doesn't move people the way Lane does. Uh, they, they struggled to get the movement off the right side that they typically like to. Made them a little bit left-handed in the running game, right? They pulled Lane a lot. Or excuse me, they pulled Landon a lot in this game. They pulled Jordan a lot in this game because they wanted to help, help hide Driscoll, right? Put Driscoll on a double team. Just kind of let him, let him, let him do a smaller job and then have your other better linemen kind of do more for you. So it made them a little bit one-handed in the running game. Again, I think that like that's a little bit of a concern, but Jalen Hurts comes back and solves a lot of that problem for you because you can run, you can leave the end unblocked and actually be successful. Whereas in this game, anytime they try to leave the end unblocked, they weren't successful. So there's stuff here and there that you can poke at and be like, okay, that's not great. Watch out for the playoffs. Okay, the lane, they got to figure this out with, with, with Driscoll in there. But overall, like, yeah, Hurts is in this game and, and, and there's... The Saints can't play defense the way they play defense, light boxes and, you know, letting Cam Jordan be unblocked and not protecting him. Like, they can't do that if Hurts is back there. They can't use this game plan if Hurts is back there. So you feel pretty good about the idea of, of, of the Eagles offense writing itself if and when Jalen Hurts returns to the lineup. Yeah, we've known how good Hurts is, but it's the old, you know, you don't know what you got till it's gone type thing. This game really drove home and maybe some of the things you kind of take for granted. I mean, anytime we talk about Hurts leaving a clean pocket, like you said, it should also be, well, yes, and sometimes he avoids a sack and sometimes he turns a sack into a 20 yard gain uh, type thing. And also just the rush play. I think, I think the rush plan point is a great one. I mean, remember that Titans game. They, it just totally changed how the Titans played defense because they were worried about him scrambling. So even if he doesn't scramble, well, they're not rushing the way they would a typical quarterback. So he helped so much in those situations, his calm in terms of game management. We talked about that last week. That continues to be a theme, even little stuff like the, the screen to Dallas Goddard, where you know after yeah. it wasn't an easy throw, but Goddard saying, "Dude, throw throw it over him. Don't decide arm it and dirt yeah. it into the ground." That's a great I was trying example. to remember. I don't remember Hertz having like a play like that where he just you know threw uh, unintentionally through a screen incomplete, you know, like he, there's the little timing stuff, uh, like that, the field, the instincts, all right, how do I get this ball mm -hmm. over the defender? That makes a difference. The impact on the run game you touched on. And it was funny in this game. I thought, all right, you know, at one of our first pods, we're talking about Ken Hertz work the middle of the field in this game. I'm like, well, Hertz working outside the numbers is something Minshew is not really comfortable doing. Like you mentioned, there were some 
kind of tight opportunities where, all right, you take a shot outside the numbers where Minshew was not going to do that. Minshew does not have a great arm that Hurts would be willing to do. So uh, all those things really stood out in this game with Jalen Hurts. And now as we look ahead, I mean, the big question to me is, like, if he plays, what does it look like? Like, if he plays on Sunday, and I'm, if you had to ask me, do I think he's going to play? I would say yes. Are they going to be running the design runs with Jalen Hurts? Are they going to be pushing the ball downfield? Is he going to be gunning these balls uh, and out uh, to A.J. Brown against man coverage outside the numbers? Like all those things are sort of remain to be seen. Or do you kind of cater to the game plan to, well, let's make it a little bit easier for him. Uh, We're 14-point favorites. We don't need to score 40 in this game. Let's ease him in a little bit and not risk it. I mean, what is your sort of, uh, like, I think they can win the game by toning it down a little bit. But at the same time, I kind of know how NFL coaches think, and that's not generally how they think. I mean, how do you expect them? I, I know it's like an impossible question to really answer, but what's your sense of sort of how they might play this game knowing that he is coming back if he plays uh, from a shoulder injury? It's very weird because you got to throw you got to throw it and maybe it hurts to throw it. And but also if you run it, then he's going to hit people with his shoulder. And I don't know if that's good either. I don't know how this joint yeah. works. I don't know if this muscle works. It's 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 very a uh, very much a tricky spot. I think they'd be super screeny, super yards after the catchy, super yes. uh, you know, uh instead of like uh you know, like I always go back to that Chris Collinsworth. They call this a run pass run option where it's like instead of having the the tag where Hertz can pull and keep, you tell Jalen, like, hey, you either give or you throw the bubble. If you ever elect to do either, Gardner Minshew's going in this game and you're not coming back in. You know, like you like tell him, like, this is this is the hard line. Uh, which maps nicely onto what they would do against a Giants defense anyway, right? Like it's a man cover blitz team. So against that, like they'll they'll throw their their downfield shots, but they also throw a, a ton of screens, they throw a ton of rub routes and like stuff that's underneath, and they they, they let guys run after the catch. And so it's not uh, it's not too much of a divergence from like this is what we got to do to beat them, which like, as you say, like that's kind of how, how, uh, how, how offensive coordinators, how coaches want to be. So I think that that's the way you do it. I will say I, uh, off of the very scant information we're operating off of, if I had the call right now, I'd be starting Gardner Minshew against the giants. I really, it, you need the game. It, you think you can win the game with, it. if Hertz is re-injured, you're, you're, you lose the playoffs. You lose the NFC. Right. Yeah. And like, I don't know what the percent chance is that Hurts gets re injured. I don't know how this injury works. Yeah. I don't know how anything works. What I do know is that Jalen's a tough son of a gun. He loves playing football. I'm positive. No matter what threats I make to him, no matter what ultimatums I give him, if I put him on the football field, at some point he's going to lo- lower his shoulder into somebody. He can't not. It's DNA, it's coding. Like, he just, that's who he is. So if I don't trust him to avoid the risk of re injury, and let's say that risk is like 2% chance, no. I, I'm playing Gardner, and I'm telling Brian Dable, okay, if you really want to start Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley and Kayvon Thibodeau and Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams and all these guys that you got that you need to make a playoff run, if you really want to start all of them just to knock me into the five seed, which, again, like isn't a given. The Eagles are very, very good outside of Gardner. Okay, you go for it. Like If you want to, if you want to do that, you can do that. But I'm not putting my MVP candidate quarterback who solves all my offensive problems in jeopardy any week before i have to if he's 100 he's 100 i just he's still limited in practice i don't think he is and so it, if it's me I'm, I'm starting gardner in this game 
That's interesting. Uh, it the re-injury thing is everything to me. Like I'm the the other. If he's playing with some pain or is not a hundred percent, I would still play him. I mean, you put yourself in this situation where you need the game. A buy is huge compared to not having a buy here. Uh, so it would have to be some threshold of no, he's actually really at risk of suffering. Uh, you know, a re. And I, I don't know what that threshold is. I mean, if, if like you said, if it was 2%, I would probably play him. I don't know what that number is where I would get to, uh, let's not play him. But I mean, at some point, this is the situation you're in and you're going to have to take probably a little bit of a risk and kind of trust the player. I mean, if, if he does play and you win and he maybe gets a little banged up, I mean, you still do have two weeks, uh, theoretically to play right. your next game. So, um, we'll see what they do now. The giants have said since we did the post game pod Dayball the next day said sort of, we'll do what's best for us. So uh, the expectation, the line, the Eagles are 14 point favorites all suggest that they're not going to play, uh, their starters, but at the same time, it's a 53 man roster. So like you got to play some guys, you just don't have a, a, a whole, uh, crew of backups where you can sit everybody. So we'll see who they play. I, I would not expect Daniel Jones or Saquon Barkley or Dexter Lawrence or the, you know, Thibodeau or the players you mentioned, maybe they'll surprise me. Maybe they'll play a couple possessions. Coaches do that sometime, but I would expect to be facing, uh, backups here in this yeah. game. And I, I would, I mean, if you're at a point where you're comfortable with Hurts, I feel like you need the game. He's going to have to play at some point. This is the situation you're in. Uh, you just play him and you try to win the game. But who knows if, you know, my, my mind could change on that because we're at sort of an information deficit here in regards to the injury. Yeah, I, there's as many, like, especially factoring in, like, like, the DeMar Hamlin event was like a one in a million, right? Like, that was a terrifying and scary and, like, shocking thing. But that's going to be in coaches minds like even if you're not like you know you're obviously not expecting a, another player in the next week to have cardiac arrest on the field like you understand academically that that's like a one in a billion whatever but it still sit, it sits there on your mind it sits there on your players mind everybody saw that everybody watched that and lived through that and is kind of dealing through that so the there's a ton of factors that go into figuring out who starts and who sits and this is why it's just like man it's like ah, beat the cowboys like, shoot beat the saints like you never know how things are going to go. And it's, it's always nice to be able to, to lock these things down and not have to worry about these following weeks, but that's what the Eagles are. So there's, there's 10,000 factors. The context is extremely difficult. I, yeah. yeah, I just, I, over the course of two weeks, one really good game, one really bad game, feel good enough about Gardner Minshew against the Giants backups that if, if Hertz is anything less than 99.9%, I'm not playing him. There we go. We will see what they decide to do. Uh, just a couple other film notes. I, I agree with you on Driscoll. I thought he was okay. I thought he was what you would expect from a backup right tackle who many times, by the way, was you know blocking Cam Jordan one-on-one. -on -one. They helped him some. I know there was a, I remember there was a Boston Scott uh, chip in there, but there were many times yep. when he was blocking him one-on-one. -on -one. He lost him he won very some. Yeah, he won some. He lost some. I mean, I I wouldn't say Driscoll is on the list of like the top, you know, three reasons why they lost the game. And so yeah. I think that's when you, when a backup comes in. I think Kelsey has said this in the past. You kind of want survival. You don't want that person to be the reason you lost the game. And I don't think Driscoll was the reason that they lost the game there. So all right, that is the offense. Let's take a break, and we will come back and talk about the defense. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? 
you take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there, just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier, thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive, or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side-by-side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. All right, back on the Ringers Philly special. Uh, Defensive Phil, did you feel better, worse, the same about the defense ever after having watched the film? I feel like in our post-game pod, we were like, no, the defense isn't at fault. And then we kind of went down a rabbit hole of things we don't like about the defense, which seems to happen on many podcasts. But uh, what did you think after watching the film? Yeah, definitely with sober eyes, I felt better (laughs) about the defense. Definitely like not two, three hours after the game where I was like, just beat them. I was like, okay, yes, they they played pretty well. Uh, See, I don't know if I did, but I want to hear what you, you what you okay. say. I might go the other way. So, <laughs> Kaiser is an issue, right? I think like that. I think is still an issue. Right? It's still an issue of coverage. He had some nice plays in run defense when they went. Yes. When when the Saints went on these 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 super wide surfaces, these three man four man surfaces, and when we say these wide surfaces, what we're talking about is typically. You know, you got uh, a center, a guard, and a tackle on one side of the formation. The two-man surface. Add a tight end, three-man surface. Add another tight end on top of that tight end, four-man surface. Attach a wide receiver to the two tight ends right on the five-man surface, right? So when when you talk about uh, deconstructing, like, blocks, when you talk about how you're going to fit the run, you're talking about the surface that you got. What, what number of dudes do we have, and how's it going to affect our front? And the Saints did a lot of, like, three-man, four-man surface. They put tight ends on each side of the formation. They get a third one on the field. They bring, a, a like, you know, 46. They're, like, fullback guy onto the field. Taysom's on the field doing weird stuff. They, 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 they mess with the Eagles a lot. And one of the things the Eagles did, which I thought was really nice, against some of these wider, longer surfaces, is they played 6-1 fronts, right? They played, like, you know, the fronts that Bill Belichick ran against the Rams in the 2017 Super Bowl, very famously, stopping Sean McVay, stopping zone. And they did that, that, that worked well. Anytime the Saints wanted to get zone working, they had four interior linemen all, like, up in there, you know, kind of between the tight ends. And then they had Hassan Reddick stand up on the outside, and they had Kaiser White 
stand up on the other side. They, they have this. They have him walked up on the line of scrimmage, and he was really effective. He had multiple plays at the line of scrimmage, beating a tackle from a tight end. It was a nice usage for Kaiser. I'd like for them to find more ways to get Kaiser on the line of scrimmage in like a two point stance. I think that that was good for him, especially against the run. When he's at the second level, he's a problem, and that's why I think you you like some of these reps he got at the first level, and you go for those reps. With that said, yeah, Kaiser issue. And then they did not know how to fit uh, quarterback power. They lost a quarterback power the whole game. They just put Taysom Hill in shotgun, put a running back next to him, pull a guard, and have the guard and the running back lead block. And what you're doing there is you're getting you're getting to the C gap, you're getting to the the, the the inside hip of the tight end, right? And the Eagles are in their bare front, right? They got three dudes on the interior, and they have nobody in that C gap. And they need Hassan Reddick to step down and collision that. They need Brandon Graham to step down and collision that. And those guys, for whatever reason, are playing slow. They're playing patient. They're waiting for the block to come to them. And it's got to be coached. It's got to be decided. But they didn't have enough bodies. So they, they anytime the Saints needed a bucket, third and one, third and three, when they went four-minute drill, right, to try to salt the game away after the pick, quarterback power, quarterback power. And it's Taysom Hill. It's not like they're doing it with, like, Lamar or, like, Hurts. We have to worry about the whole offense. It's Taysom. You know what they're doing. It's their favorite run with him. It's their number one run with him. So it was, it was, it was uh, frustrating to see the way that the Saints found a run that worked and then just kind of hammered it. And as we talk about a lot of time with Gannon, okay, do something. Like, you know, kind of like the, the poke somebody with a stick meme. Like, right, do something. Like, here we go. Like, just send Marcus Epps. Just have Marcus Epps fly the C-gap. Just heat-seeking missile. Just go hit somebody. And all you're going you're gonna to ruin the chemistry of the game, and then TJ will clean it up for you. Kaiser will clean it up for you. And they just kind of they lost it the whole game. So uh, front-wise, they did some good stuff, and they did some bad stuff. And I think that their inability to stop the run get off the field on third and shorts, get off the field when the Saints were, were, were kind of trying to slow the or speed the game up and get uh, run all the clock, protect their lead. Their inability to stop the run, I thought, was really frustrating in that regard. See, I kind of look at, like, when, it, when it's short yardage, when it's third and one, fourth and two, whatever, I always am just like, the defense is supposed to lose here. And so I'm, I don't look at it and be like, they could have done. Like, when the defense makes a nice play, I give them credit, but I'm basically like, you're in a bad situation here where you're supposed to lose. So, t- yeah, Tays- I thought it was ups and downs with Taysom Hill. I mean, he ran 14 times for 46 yards, 3.3 yards per carry, along of nine. I hear what you're saying. Some of those were short yardage situations. And even at the end, I was like, uh, you're down 2010, the games over but yeah they did you know they did not get off the field in that situation where the Saints picked up some first downs there so I thought it was a little bit uh hit or miss with the run defense I looked at it and just thought I mean the first half the Saints had 247 yards of offense and 13 first downs and so I think if you just look at it as hey they held them to one touchdown I think it was a little misleading I mean Dennis Allen was conservative I didn't take into account, like, the quarterback play was not good in this game, and the guy, you know, and Dalton's completing 12 in a row. Like, if you look at the Saints' negative plays, listen, there were some where Hassan Reddick wins right away, uh, the Eagles win with their rush, their coverage is good, they make him hold on to the ball, and then there are others where Andy Dalton trips over, uh, you know, the guard's foot, and Andy Dalton has a guy uh, on a crosser who he can get the ball to, and he kind of panics in the pocket mm-hmm. and takes a sack. So I thought it definitely, w- when I watched the film, there were more of those instances than I thought initially where I said, you know, because right now I, I, I know you're probably when I watch the defense, I'm picturing it in the context of versus Dak Prescott 
versus Kyle Shanahan, even versus, you know, Patrick Mahomes. Like, that's where we are with the season. You know, it's not like you're the end, you might get a first round matchup. Uh, well, actually, you won't. I mean, you're probably going to get a first round matchup against Dak Prescott or even Tom Brady. So it's, it's going to be better quarterbacks. And I felt like there were instances in this game where the defense's numbers are not going to look nearly as good if you're facing a better quarterback. Having said that, listen, they second half, uh, what, five punts in a row. They had the interception. They kept the Eagles in the game. So I'm not crushing them. I'm just telling you what my thought process was as I watched the game here. One, one stat for you, Benjamin. The Eagles are sacking quarterbacks 11.6% of the time. First in the NFL. That's like playing, di- like Justin Fields right now leads the league in sack rate per dropback at like yeah. 14%. And then playing him every And yeah, then like- Russell Wilson's at like 11%. <laughs> so it's like playing Russ every single week. It, 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 it's wild. And so I was looking this up. The gap between them and number two, which I want to say is the Cowboys, but I'm not sure, is the same as the gap between number two and what number, do you think? You know what I'm saying? So the gap between 11.6% and whatever the percentage (sighs) is for number two is the same as the gap between number two and Hill. You wouldn't say this if it were You wouldn't say this if it were like nine. Like that's not good enough. If it were three, yeah, yeah, that would be a really dumb way to kind of. 22. Holy Moses, that's bananas. The Eagles and two is the same as the gap between two that's and bananas. 22. I mean, it is. It is now, now I'm like rechecking my numbers to make sure I didn't screw this up. Yeah, the Cowboys are second at uh, 8.8. And so that is a, uh, that difference is there of what, 2.8. And that is the same difference as the Cowboys and the Pittsburgh Steelers who are at Number 22. So, man, the, you know, the pass rush. And uh, I do think in, in terms of the pass rush conversation, we do have to say, yes, it is players winning their one-on-ones and dominating and talent and how he deserves credit. There are instances and there were instances on this film where the coverage is helping uh, force the quarterback to hold on to the football and giving the pass rush a chance where those two things are working in tandem. I, I, if you had to give me a percentage, I would say it's more the how he yeah. can take the victory lap and say I've assembled a, re- a really good group of players. And the other thing is I'll give their, and this is Gannon and the position coaches, I do think individually they've gotten some of the best performances of some guys' careers. I mean, Javon Hargrave as a pass rusher, this is as well as he's ever played. Brandon Hassan Graham. Reddick has been a very good pass rusher, but this is his Career high, Brandon Graham. You mentioned this is his career high. Even a guy like T.J. Edwards, this is the the whatever the max is of what T.J. Edwards can be as a player. Yeah, we're seeing that this, this year. I would say Marcus yeah. Epps as well. And so I, I do think nah, that deep, no, and, and Gan, what no. you wouldn't say that with Epps? What? Yeah, yeah, it's the best play of his career. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was, I was <laughs> like all the other guys you were saying have been like really good, and then Epps has just been like fine. This was a really good T.J. game. <laughs> T.J. played quite well in this game. I was impressed. Um, yeah. he's still. He's got to step down in the hole just more aggressively. He has to. <laughs> Can't help yourself, can you? But he, but he does. Like it's, it, it's part of playing Mike in this defense, right? Is you can't always just be the cleanup guy. Sometimes you're gonna have to step down. Uh, but uh, so TJ played great. Um, the sack number is also like I think it's a testament to not like there are guys who are really good pressure guys, and like it's great to be a really good pressure guy. A pressure is, is is very valuable, and pressures are predictive of sacks. Like we've spent a long, long, long time over the last few years of NFL discourse realizing that like pressure numbers matter a ton. We should pay more attention to them. They also like they have good impacts on defense the same way sacks do. 
but it's important not to miss the forest for the trees. Sacks are wildly more valuable than just pressures. Quarterbacks can do a lot when they're pressured. They can't do a lot when they're sacked. They're on the ground. Uh, the Eagles guys, and I don't know if this was intentional or not, but like Hassan Reddick's ability to finish a pressure and a sack still is astounding. The amount yeah. of rushes that he finishes at weird body angles with like a hand and a half on the ground, army crawling to the quarterback, flipping his body across the grip strength. Hargrave is the exact same way. The, 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 so many rushes that Hargrave gets from the interior, you see other dudes in the league get, and then they go beyond the quarterback. And Hargrave just gets a paw out, and he links on a guy, and he, he drags him down. And Graham's, like, even for Graham's like, career sack numbers always being down, Graham's always been good at, like, actually getting a paw on a guy and like being able to like affect him and drag him down. The Eagles have a lot of really good finishers on the defensive line. The other one other player on the defensive line that deserves a shout out because this was the best game of his career is Milton Williams. Multiple times in this game, I thought Javon Hargrave was 93. I was like, that's good Hargrave rap. And I was like, wait, wait, no, 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 no. That's 93. That goal line play, I mean, he saved four points for him. Absolutely. And and, and he's a nice, like, Hargrave is like a big penetration guy. Dominican Sue's like a big penetration guy. Milton's slippery, man. He's a nice little dimension in the interior they don't really have. He's he's played, I think, quite well over the past month of the season. He's rounding into his own. The yeah, development all, all, all across the defense has been awesome. The the pressure to sack point is a good one. The the Cowboys, and I'm always pretty skeptical of like pressure rate stats. I like looking at them, but yeah. you know, it's it's very uh subjective. But just to to say the Cowboys lead the NFL in pressure rate, the Eagles are second, but the Eagles, you know, are are generating a sack two point eight percent more of the time. So uh, I was I was so wrong about Hargrave when they signed him. I thought, you know what, this guy has not been a great pass rusher in his career. I think they lost out on was it by, I think it was Byron Jones that year. And they said, yeah. well, we had this money we we're going to spend on Byron Jones. And hey, we like Hargrave. That's really a credit to their scouting and projecting because this was not Javon Hargrave with the Steelers. I mean, it was a different scheme. It was a different player. And I thought, is he going to give you the pass rush to warrant the contract you're giving him? And he's one of the best interior pass rushers in the NFL. He's certainly the best interior pass rusher you have. Like, that's a constant with defensive coaches in the NFL. They're always looking like that's where, you know, the the demand outweighs the supply. Interior pass rush, every coach is like, we want that, we want that. And there just aren't as many guys uh, to, to get that. And so they did a great job signing him. And he's a free agent. So I think we'll see. If he comes back there, a couple other notes here, Chauncey Gardner, Johnson and Robert Quinn return to practice. So we'll see when they play, um, but yeah. we'll see if what role Gardner Johnson has. We talked about that on the last pod, so we don't need to get into it uh, deeper here. I think we were both on the same page and then we'll see with Robert Quinn. This is why you traded for him uh, in the event that Josh Sweat can't play. Maybe Josh Sweat can play. Uh, you know, we, we don't know uh, what his role is going to be in the playoffs, uh, but there, there's been positive news there. I know Jason Kelsey, I think, uh, said on his podcast, like one of his happiest moments of the season, which is seeing Sweat in the building because that was a neck injury and everything has a different context now. You know, that's weird with, the, with what we saw with Hamlin. Like now a neck injury, it's like, well, not just a neck, but it's different. You know yeah. what I mean? Uh, but still, it's like, well, those are still very, very serious and can alter a person's career, season, life, whatever. So that was good news, at least with Josh Sweat. And I know he tweeted out that uh, he, he thinks mm-hmm. he'll be back at some point this season. So we'll see if he's yeah. out there and we'll see how healthy Robert Quinn is when he comes back. He really I'm, didn't uh, give him anything when yeah. he was healthy. I'm really interested. When he played. I'm really interested to see what they do with Chauncey. And I'll tell you why. Given the way he plays, I bet you Gannon likes Josiah Scott a lot. Scott's 
You think so? Scott's good in zone. He's 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 he's, he's, he's solid in zone. He knows what that he's interception doing. was a nice play. We I, have to give him credit uh, for that. That's that, was a really that nice interception play. is like exactly a bad throw. how you draw it up in quarters. Like the the Saints are running a beater, right? They're running scissors. They're running switch. Like this is. This is built to beat quarters. And Josiah Scott feels it. He sniffs it out. He sinks eyes on the quarterback. It's coach tape. It's coaching film. And he is, uh, he's like, a, he's a, he, he IDs stuff quickly. He gets downhill. He sticks his nose in there against the run. Everything that you like, you know, coach is like, oh, we really like him for X, Y, and Z. That That's true for Josiah Scott. He can't play man coverage. But Gannon doesn't yeah. want to play man coverage. And like, I, 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 I think when they get Chauncey back, they're gonna move Reed to the bench because they hide Reed. Like, like they just do everything they can to try to make sure he doesn't kind of like impact the game too much. They actually played him low a little bit more in this game. They weren't playing him deep as much to move to Epps deep, but in general, they protect him a lot. I bet you that that Chauncey slides right back into where he was, weak safety, and they just leave Josiah playing Maddox's spot. So I think I off the way he plays, I bet you Gannon is a big Josiah Scott guy. Interesting. I don't think so. I think Gardner Johnson will play this lot, but I hear what you're saying. You could be right. I mean, the thing is, they don't like if they're in man coverage and they don't, and the other team puts a receiver in the slot. Like we, I, have we seen one time Slay or Bradbury move in there and look at your first round matchup? It's either going to be Chris Godwin. Most likely anything can happen. But if it, if you're the one seed, it's either Chris Godwin or CeeDee Lamb coming to the link. You know, two can line up in the slot and do a lot of damage. We saw one a few weeks Again, ago. Again, you're just with praying Lamb. the Giants six seed beat the Vikings three seed. You get Richie James and Isaiah Hodgins coming to town. You're all right. We're chilling. That would be nicer. Yeah, that would be nicer. But we'll see. But yeah, if you're watching a, play, a playoff game and they lose, and the reason is because they just left... Uh, Josiah Scott on Godwin or CeeDee Lamb in the slot on key third downs in high leverage situations. Josiah Scott should not be the one getting crushed in that uh, situation. We're mean. We're already, we're already, I'm preemptively saying about what I'm going to complain about Gannon in the playoffs. Yeah, That's me. He's got a top five, top five defense uh, in the NFL by every metric. Uh, I don't mean to be overly critical. All right, let's finish it up here. What do you expect on Sunday? We talked about what we think Dayball is going to do. We don't know. Eagles are 14-point favorites. With a win, they are the one seed. Everyone <laughs> can take, oh, exhale, exhale. It's been, we've been saying this for weeks. They'll be the one seed. They'll have home field throughout the NFC. That's all you could have asked for when the season started. They can also back their way in if the Cowboys lose and the Niners lose. Other scenarios here, if the Eagles lose and the Cowboys win, well, Eagles drop all the way down to five. You're going back to Tampa to Raymond James Stadium in the first round to take on the Bucks. If the Eagles lose, the Cowboys lose, and the 49ers win, now the Eagles are the two seed. So you don't get the bye, but you do get home field in the first round, and you would host either the Packers, Seahawks, or Lions. I will say, in addition to winning the game, you gotta get. You want to get out of this game without any further injuries. I mean, I hate even yes. putting it in the air or bringing it up, but I've just been doing like preview stuff uh, over the last couple of days here, looking at every team, and man, that's just such a huge factor. You can look at how a team's played all season. Well, who do they have right now as the biggest games are being played? I mean, a lot of times that's going to factor in right. to how you perform here. So. Eagles, I think still, if we zoom out and even with the Lane Johnson and Avante Maddox, I still think, uh, you know, they're in better shape than most, but you want to avoid any further injuries this weekend. All right, Ben, what do you have? What do you, how do you think this plays out on Sunday? So yeah, for the third week in a row, 
the Eagles win and they get the one seed. The third week in a row, <laughs> I will be predicting them to win the football game. I feel the best out of these three for this one. You should. 14-point favorite. I felt yeah. awesome about the Saints one, and they just totally, uh, you know, just poop the bed like it was just it was just it was it was a very bad game it's a i'd prefer to have the letdown game in week 17 as opposed to week 20 though that's for sure and i and um i think that for as much as i like to you know pick on nick sirianni the pander king for the the you know some of the thinly veiled appeals to kind of you know general philadelphian vibes and like football <laughs> spirit and like everything is a sports movie i think he's really well suited for this i think he's really well suited for this moment of like Okay, springboard into the playoffs. Here we go. Like it's, you know, it's been a, a, a extremely difficult week for NFL teams and NFL players. With kind of everybody just watching with bated breath on the Demar Hamlin. It's been difficult for the Eagles over the last few weeks just because of the Jalen Hurts injury and because of the losses. I trust Nick to write this ship. I think that he's he's good in a spot like this. Eagles win, twenty-seven to twelve. Something stupid. You know, some weird. You could just pick that out of thin air. Yeah. The line's fourteen. Is it? Are you saying twenty-seven to twelve? Oh, true. Do people yeah. want to hear. Is it twenty-seven to twelve or twenty-seven well, firstly, to fourteen? There's a big difference. There. Firstly, and this is coming from me. If you're betting on the spread in this game, you're outside your melon. All right. No, there's no reason for this behavior. Uh, again, from me, this is unacceptable. Uh, okay, I'll take twenty-seven to twelve. I'll take. Uh, uh, okay. They 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 go for two to get the cover, and they don't get it. They're avoiding the push there late. Is this what the Giants are doing? Um. But yeah, I think it's going to be a chaos game. I think it's going to be a weird game. I think it's going to be one where everybody but us is watching with half an eyeball because it's, you know, it's ugly and it's gross. But Eagles handle it. They get the bye, and it's huge for Jalen Hurts, and it starts their playoff push. Yeah, the best case scenario in this game is you win, you uh, don't have further injuries, and Jalen Hurts looks good. I mean, if those three things happen, you're probably back to where you were three weeks ago saying, let's go win a Super Bowl. We're in good shape. By the way, I was looking at this, Ben. If they, let's assume Hurts is back for the playoffs and Lane Johnson is going to try to play for the playoffs, right now, that's their entire offense yep. of regular starters would be potentially, again, I don't want to curse it. I know people don't like when I jinx it, uh, but their entire starting offense, all 11 regulars would be available for the playoffs. So that's a pretty good spot to be in potentially with a bye, potentially with home field advantage. So that is a best case scenario here. Uh, I think the Eagles are going to win pretty comfortably. I don't think the Giants are going to play their guys. I think Hurts is going to play if I had to say right now. Uh, and I'm with you. I'm not going to be complaining about too many screens in this game. I think play it safe, do what you need to do, get the ball out of his hands, right. limit the number of hits he takes. I will say they don't cover just because my theory on week 18 is I never like taking the team with more at stake to cover it. I usually like taking because I think there's value. Right, <laughs> there's yeah. no science behind this. Don't bet on this. Don't do anything. This is just in my warped mind as someone who's had to make picks on every game for the last four years. This is how I approach where, uh, it. Where, where, where are you at this year, Shield? What's it looking like? ATS. I think I'm I think I'm 13 over 500, which is nice. It's okay. It's not great. I've had a bad uh, couple of weeks. I just like if I'm over 500, I'm happy. Every, Picking every I would game. Say, on a Wednesday yeah. night. On a Wednesday night. Yeah. You know? Yeah, 123, so. 110, and, and 7 before week 17. I haven't looked at your week 17 numbers. I'm searching you on Twitter. This is why I'm okay. on Twitter during the, pods. I can pull this information, Shield. There you go. Uh, so, But still, I mean, like it's been a tough year for everybody. It's a hard year to, uh, yeah. to bed. So eh, not too shabby. I'll take it. Uh, so I've got Eagles 27, Giants 16. So 11, uh, Giants cover. 
Eagles win, and we see what happens after that. Uh, I'm going to go cover this game, Benjamin. I'm going to make the drive to the oh, yeah? uh, link. Go cover the game. Uh, be in the press box so we'll, we can talk later, but we'll do a little bit of a later pod. So I don't know that it's like the best game uh, to go to, but I figured, hey, there's something at stake. It's week 18. I don't really have to watch all of the other games. This is a good, uh, a good game to attend. So I'll be down there uh, covering it live, being in the locker room afterwards, and hopefully can bring some color to the podcast afterwards. All right. Thanks to everyone for joining us. Thanks to Benjamin. Let's hope that we continue to get good news as the hours pass on DeMar Hamlin and continue to uh, think about him as we move forward and talk about these games and watch these games this weekend. We will be back on Sunday night, and we will talk to everyone after uh, with another episode of the Ringers Philly Special. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.